Welcome to the For Your Soul Podcast, a podcast for your soul. Welcome to the For Your Soul Podcast, a podcast for your soul in which I try to equip the church with sound doctrine and biblical truth. My name is Milton Quintini and thank you for joining me on today's episode. I'm very excited to share with you today concerning moral therapeutic deism and this worldview. Maybe you may have not heard of it. I know I haven't heard of it before I created this podcast, but I'm going to be highlighting moral therapeutic deism today which I will be abbreviating abbreviating as MTD for sure because the name is too long. And the reason I want to highlight MTD today is because it's become the most popular worldview in America today. And not only that, MTD has also shown increasing influence in churches today to the point where that's how most services are conducted in terms of what's being preached, what people believe in, etc., so in today's episode, I'm going to discuss what is MTD, what are MTD's core components, what's MTD's influence on the church, and why MTD is ultimately a false form of Christianity. Like anything, like any false doctrine that's being preached in a church today, usually it presents itself as something positive, something popular, something that people like to hear, but that's that's where the deception is because... You can deceive some. You can deceive. You can deceive people with false doctrine by making it seem right and and good, but ultimately, when lined up with scripture, we see that it is, it is completely false. It is and contradicts the scriptures and ultimately equips people in a worldview that contradicts the worldview that God has provided for us in His Word. With that introduction, let's continue. Number one. What is MTD? So MTD was first introduced in 2005 by sociologists Christian Smith and Melinda Ludkis Denton in their book, Soul Searching, The Religious and Spiritual Lives of American Teenager. Now, the book featured national research amongst teenagers at the turn of the millennium as both authors identify several core beliefs that characterize the thinking and behavior of the group. All right, so just right then and there, we see that the book was based on a study on, on teenagers during the millennium. And that's very key to know because when it comes to young people, the youth, it is that time where they are trying to figure out what the worldview is and whatever they come to believe, it's something that can ultimately direct them throughout their adult life. And when it comes to MTD, this is the worldview that most that many young people have grounded themselves in. And now we're starting to see it today can, uh, now we're starting to see it more and more, especially now that they're all grown grown up, and now we have young other young people learning it. And you see, a, and the pattern continues. So when it comes to MTD, what 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 do we mean by MTD? What, what how what is the best way to describe how MTD looks like? And I have here several components, which pretty much make up MTD. The first one is the believing in God despite him being distant from people's lives. Second one is good people go to heaven. Third one, people treating each other with kindness and respect. Fourth one, the main purpose of life is to be happy and feel good about yourself. Fifth one, 
There are all there are no absolute moral truths. And the last one, people are given very limited demands from God. Okay, so those are the core components of MTD in which I will be breaking them down and ultimately explaining why they do not line up with, with Scripture. Now, MTD, when it comes to professing Christians, there has clearly been growing influence of MTD on the pulpit today. And that being said, I'm going to highlight a study here that was released earlier this year. It's called the American Inv- American Worldview Inventory 2021. It was conducted by the, the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. And basically this survey highlights biblical world uh, biblical worldview in, in against competing other worldviews so it's pre- it's pretty interesting which i encourage you to check it out you can find it for free at the at their on their website and i will also link into the description below now when it comes to this the recent survey that they did on on, on MTD if they found that 38% of adults were lo- more likely to embrace elements of moral therapeutic theism (MTD) than other than any other popular worldview, which includes biblical theism or a biblical world- worldview, secular humanism, postmodernism, nihilism, Marxism, which includes critical theory, and Eastern mysticism, also known as New Age. Now, when it comes to professing Christians, the study found that. Three out of four people, 74%, have been influenced by MTD, while 16% say that they are actually born again by their theology. Right? So, not the gospel here. It's by what MTD has said that some of these people believe that they are born again. And the following here is a list of multiple beliefs that the Christians hold to regarding MTD. And here they are as follows. 95% 95% do not consider success in life to be described as a consist as consistent obedience to God. 92% do not believe that the wealth they have they have has been given to them by God to manage for his purposes. 91% do not believe that people are born into sin and need to be saved by Jesus Christ. 98% say that they get the their primary moral guidance from various sources other than the Bible. 87% do not believe that the ultimate purpose in life is to know, love, and serve God with all their heart, mind, strength, and soul. 76% that good people, I'm sorry, 76 contend that good people earn a place in heaven through their good behavior. 75% do not believe God is the basis of all truth. 74% believe in karma. 73% say that having some type of religious faith is more important than the faith which is embraced. And 71% do not believe that the Bible is the true and reliable communication from God. Just based on these statistics, we see here how MTD has influenced Christians today. And not only that, people under MTD's influence were more likely to engage in biblical faith practices than they are to, than they are to hold to biblical beliefs. For instance, 13% would conduct faith practices such as Bible reading, praying to and worshiping God, confessing personal sins, and seeking God's will for the life. On the other hand, less than 1% were likely to endorse biblical teaching and follow through on those matters. Now, according to Dr. George Barna, who authored the survey, he described MTD as fake Christianity that is more centered on self than God. 
And I quote, young adults have grown up with a culturally adulterated version of the Christian faith, he explained. They have adopted a softer, twisted version of genuine Christianity. The good news is that practitioners of MTD are not anti-religion or anti-Christianity. They are just not willing to surrender themselves to authentic Christianity's demands or to believe that a real faith would even make such demands of them. So in other words, even though much of the people here may profess to believe in God, may profess to be Christian, but ultimately they do not go by what the Bible says, but instead they go by how they feel. Hence the name moral therapeutic deism. We have the word therapeutic. What does therapeutic entail for them? It's something that f makes them feel good, something that allows them to, to cope. More, when it comes to moral therapeutic deism, it is basically a belief system that people use to cope with their own emotions and believe in things that make them feel good. Okay, that is what it comes down to with MTD. And sadly, many Christians... Many Christians today are, are believing in MTD because they want they want something that makes them feel good, even if even if what what they believe in contradicts the Word of God. And and that's crazy because as we know, as Christians, we are to subject ourselves to the Word of God through God's will in our life, not our will, not our feelings, not our convenience. And unfortunately. That, that's the world we live in today. That is what we have been warned in the last days where false teachers will come and they're going to scratch the itching ears of, of the hearers, meaning they're going to tell them what exactly what they want to hear. Hence moral, hence moral therapeutic deism, as well as any other false doctrines that are being preached in the church today. It is all meant for you to feel good, you, the consumer, because you're the one who is the sole authority of what, what is to be preached and not God, and that's very dangerous. Now, moving on, now I'm going to break down each core component, as I had just stated throughout this podcast, and basically highlight, basically stress why they contradict the Bible. Okay, so here we go. So the first component, believing in God despite him being distant from people's lives. Okay, think about that. God as we know in the Bible, he's our he's the creator. He's our heavenly Father. He's the sovereign King. He's he he rules over everything. Nothing is outside of his will or, or, or his sight. And here we have this belief, an empty belief from MTD that God somehow he's distant from people's lives. You know, which would go, which would even go with with Christians. We we are simply just here on the surf placed by God but after that God is like MIA he's not in the picture he's pretty much left us all to ourselves now the problem with this component is that it diminishes what the Bible says about God in terms of his imminence uh, his transcendence and also his omnipresence so when it comes to the transcendence of God which is a theological term it, when it comes to the pre okay so the problem with this component is that it diminishes the imminence of God of his people as well as his transcendence and ultimately his omnipresence. So in theology, there are two terms regarding God's presence, uh, transcendence and imminence. Transcendence means that God is above all things, meaning that he is, no, he, is none like, he, he is nothing like anybody. Nothing can compare to him. He is independent and above all things. That's that's who God is. That That is basically what transcendence means when it comes to, to God. Now, on the other hand, when it comes to the eminence of God, it, it 
entails the immediate presence of God. In other words, even though God may be transcendent of this world, there, you know, he's a unique being all to himself. He's eternal. At the same time, this, this God is also present in this world, especially amongst his people who have been granted access into his presence through, through Jesus Christ. And tied with the imminence of God is God's omnipresence, which basically stressed that God is everywhere at all times. So, for instance, in Psalm 139, we have the Psalmist David, where he writes how God is with him no matter where he goes. And I'm going to read to you from Psalm 139, not the whole chapter, but I'm going to read to you the, the first 12 verses. All right, so this is what the, the Psalm says. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. So it goes to show that no matter where David went, God was with him. And th this that goes the same for us. It doesn't matter whether you are on this side of the globe or on the other side of the globe. It doesn't matter wherever you go, God is. He's right there with you. He is inescapable. And for Christians, it is a good thing because especially when we live, especially that we live in a sinful, chaotic world, we need that comfort from God. We need the presence of God in our lives. So when it comes to more therapeutic deism, it diminishes that. And if anything, it can lead to Christians having that belief that God that God is not with them, which can lead to all sorts of, 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 of discomfort, especially when they're dealing with things. Because they recognize God is not in the picture, he is missing. And and we need to get back to understanding that, no, God is definitely with us. He's definitely with us no matter what. He's definitely with us at all times. And he's the one whom we can always rely on. Not our friends, not our family, not this world. It is God and God alone. So we have to understand that God is definitely present in this world, especially with his people. The second component, good people go to heaven. Of course, we, we hear this all the time. It is the most commonly used reason as to why people say they will go to heaven is because they're a good person. They base their salvation on the morality. It is not on Jesus Christ. It is based on their good deeds. It is based on how they treat others. It is based on how popular, how reputable they are. And therefore, it does not matter whether God needs to save them. They can... As long as they are good people, God will bring them into heaven because why would God not want to bring people to heaven if, they, if, if they've if they done good things? But the thing is, my friends, we have to understand that even though you may act like a good person, you may, you may stay out of trouble throughout your life, at the end of the day, we know that no one is perfect. We know that no one is perfectly good. Jesus Christ is the only one who is perfectly good. And when it comes to us as people, we are all sinners. Every single person on this earth is a sinner. We look at the scriptures, for instance, in Psalm for Psalm 14, verse 3, it says, Not, None are 
righteous. No, not one. And then we have Romans 3.23, which says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So this component here, good people go to heaven, it's false. It is completely false. It contradicts what the scripture says. It contradicts just the very nature of hum humanity. Because even though, even though we, yes, we may good, do good deeds, we may be a good person, we may be nice and loving, at the end of the day, we, we are sinners. Our nature itself is hostile to God. You can be a good person and still be hostile to God because perhaps you want nothing to do with God. Instead, you're you're concerned about how you can be a good person, but not but but without God in the picture, and that and and it doesn't work like that. We can never attain salvation on our own. It's only through Jesus Christ we are saved, which also ties into the other component: people treating each other with kindness and respect. And we know that on the basis of the golden rule and loving one's neighbor, that this principle can apply. We think of, for instance, the golden rule where it says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Or the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. The thing is, even though these principles may be true, and they are, and we should follow them, we, again, they don't, they, it, it ties into the whole reason of good people going to heaven, which, again, you can't, you can never do that on your own. The Bible says that our righteous works are like filthy rags. So it doesn't matter how many good things you do for, for society, for the world, it doesn't matter. Even if, hey, perhaps well, you, maybe you have done a good cause, right? Maybe you, you, you have contributed greatly to this world, but at the end of the day, apart from Jesus Christ, you stand condemned before God. And on top of that, another reason this component fails is that when it comes to people treating each other with kindness and respect, remember, we live in a world today that, 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 that wants inclusiveness and tolerance meaning you can't speak out against people's beliefs even if perhaps what some people believe are wrong they are, they are sinful as according to what the bible says but in the bible we know that we are to speak the truth in love meaning that we are to confront each other at times with things that perhaps may be uncomfortable to people for instance you know telling people that they are sinners in need of a savior or telling people that yeah you're not you're not a good person, you stand condemned before God and you need a savior, hence why we have the gospel, the good news. We need that message today. It, it you can't we can't just rely on our own morality, because our own morality will never save us. Right. So, so when it comes to these these two components, good people going to heaven and treating each other with kindness and respect, they fall short because it it. it it only stresses your own morality as opposed to the salvation that God has given through grace by faith in Jesus Christ. Moving on to the next component, component number four. The main purpose in life is to be happy and feel good about yourself. Now, it is commonly said today, live life to the fullest. And I agree to an extent. Obviously, you don't want to live a, a passive life, an incompetent life. You want, to, yeah, you sure you definitely want to live life to the fullest. But again, as I had just said, living life to the fullest does not save you. Perhaps you know, even even if you get the most out of this life, again, without without Christ, you stand condemned before God. You are in danger of hell. But as Christians, we recognize that living life to the fullest is not the end game in life. Rather. It is to glorify God. So if we want to understand what it means 
to live life to the fullest, let us consider the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now according to question 1 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So when it comes to understanding the main purpose in life, it is far more than living life to the fullest, but it is about glorifying God in all that we do. If anything, we can redefine living life to the fullest that way. Instead of living life to the fullest for our own benefit, to live life to the fullest is to glorify God in everything that we do. It is not about us. It is more than just simply getting everything out. You know, it is simply more than making the most in life, but it is about glorifying God at the end of it. Because remember, God is the one who gave us this life. We are life because of him. Therefore, let us honor him every day. Let us praise him every day. Let us seek to make him known to this world. Because that is what ultimately what it means to live life to the fullest. It is about glorifying God in all that we do, not ourselves. Because again, we can't save ourselves. Moving on to the next point, point number five, there are no absolute moral truths, which of course is completely false, but yet here we are today in the world where moral truth, or I'm sorry, absolute or objective truth is thrown out the window because truth is left up to the individual. In other words, it is it is subjective. It is based on how you feel and what, instead of what God has said in his word, it is, in, it is not on objective truth at all. It is based on what you feel. However, we know that absolute truth exists. For instance, gravity, one example, as to use one example, it's there whether you believe it or not. It is not based on how you feel. Oh, I feel gravity is there. I feel gravity is not there. No, gravity is there whether you believe it or not. That's why we know that things fall. from. If you drop something, it'll fall because gravity you cannot deny it. Additionally, when we think of truth, we think of Jesus Christ, whose very essence is truth. Truth is primarily founded on God, not ourselves, and what we think to be true. God does not fluctuate either because he is immutable. So not only that, his word is also immutable, meaning it doesn't change. It doesn't go by, oh, how God is feeling today. No, what God has said, he has declared and it is set in stone, and overall it is eternal. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Your word, O Lord, is everlasting. It is firmly fixed in the heavens. And that's very important to know because when it comes to God's word, it is more than just a historical account, but it is a spiritual account and an eternal account in which it is given to us as his people, his church, not just simply to walk in obedience, but also to cultivate a worldview. Because this is in light of what, how God has designed this world to be. It is not based on how what we feel. It's not based on how we feel. It is based on what God has said. It is based on it is based on what God has said. It is. It can never be based on us because our views will always change our feelings will always change and at the end of, and on top of that we, our views may not be 
in conjunction with everyone else's views. People, they will ne- there's never a fixed view because there are multiple views. But with God, we recognize that there is one view, one moral view. I'm sorry, one moral absolute view, and that's it. That's that. That's that's how we understand how the world works. That's how we understand how our who we are as people, as individuals, is rec- recognizing that we are sinners, recognizing that we need Jesus Christ, and recognizing that it is only through Jesus Christ we are saved, and it is only through Jesus Christ in which we are able to live this life that God has intended for us. So it can never be based on on how we think the world works or how we feel truth is can never be that way so this last point number six people are giving very limited demands of god which we recognize is completely not true because then that's to say that god doesn't pretty much expects little to nothing out of us but in reality he expects so much out of us he expects obedience however the problem is that we have failed to obey god because we are we are sinners we want nothing to do with god we are straight away from god and in the zone through jesus christ in which we are saved, and not only that, through the Holy Spirit, we are regenerated and we're given a new heart in which now we can obey God and recognizing that God has definitely called us to, to a high standard. As we know in the Bible, God has called us to, 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 be, to be His people, to be salt and light in this world. We are to reflect God, not just simply through our words, but also through our, our actions, which includes obedience. And that's, and that's a high standard. That's a very high standard. It's a standard in which we can never do on our own. That is why we need Jesus Christ. That is why we need the gospel. That is why we need to be born again. Because it makes us recognize that we can never do this on our own. It is impossible. As the word says, for what? All things are possible with God, right? It is only through God that all things are possible, not man. Because with man, we know it's everything. We know salvation is impossible. We know that... Morality, walking in morality, obedience, honoring God, walking before him is impossible on our own. Remember, Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. All right. So we have to recognize that God demands for us are substantial. They are they are high. They, they are they are set before his people to walk before him. And we are to, to walk in. We are to walk before God, not because those works themselves will save us, but because in light of our salvation, now God expects us to walk in his ways. Otherwise, if you say you profess God and you walk in darkness, if you walk in disobedience, then it goes to show that you have you, you haven't been saved at all because there has never been a change of heart, which, again, can only be brought about by God through his through his salvation, through the good news. And in Christ, we are called to deny ourselves. We are to pick up our cross, and we are to follow him. Right? So it is all about self-denial. It is not about therapeutic. It is not about moral therapeutic theism. It is not about making us... It is not about feeling good about ourselves. It is about denying ourselves. That is what true Christianity is about. Christianity is not about how we feel. It is about walking with God in light of what he has Shared with us in his word. Okay? So in light of what was discussed in this episode, one can understand why MTD is America's most popular worldview because it's convenient for them. They're the ones who get to dis- they're the ones who get to pick they're the ones who get to pick and choose what they want to hear about that. And we can conclude that it is it is a man centered ideology. It is geared towards you. It is all about you. But yet 
And yet here, and what saddens me is that there's so many churches that have likewise follow suit. Why do you think that sin and repentance is barely stressed from the pulpit? Or how come hell or the judgment seat of Christ isn't preached? Because nobody wants to be offended. Nobody wants to be offended by things that will make them feel bad or guilty or convicted in this case, right? Which is essential. And sadly, we see sound doctrine and, and, and preaching biblical truth as something that's frowned upon because preachers would rather appeal to the congregation than to God first. They are people pleasers. They are scratching inching ears with feel good messages than the word of God, which goes to show that man is elevated above God and that is blatant idolatry. It is definitely idolatry on all accounts. That is why the church must get back to preaching the word of God as their sufficient source. We have to recognize that, my friends. God's word is enough because not because in doing so, we are able to stand against deceptions like MTD and other false doctrines because we are rooted in the scriptures. We recognize that our worldview is not in line of what we feel, but it is in line of what God has said in his word, as I have stated throughout this episode today. And is that and and of course we need and of course we need that in order to cultivate discernment, which sadly is lacking in the body of Christ. It is a lost start in the church today. Which by the way, I have I have two episodes that I did on discernment that you can check out in the archives, I believe is episode three and four, and where I where you can listen to the necessity of the sermon in further detail. Okay? So going back to today's episode. Uh, by returning to the Word of God, we are recognizing that we are using exactly what God has given to His church. For for instance, consider Second Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay, that's Second Timothy three sixteen. So here's a perfect text stressing the sufficiency of Scripture and letting us know that the Bible is indeed essential because that is how we are equipped, especially in the context of the, the church. Because in doing so, we get to cultivate a worldview through a biblical lens as opposed to a man-made one like MTD. Most importantly, we recognize that at the end of the day, it is not about us. It never was and it never will be. It is all about God because He alone is worthy and it is important to get back to the Word of God because in doing so, we can live the life that God has intended for us to live. May we get back to that ASAP. Thank you for listening to the Forest Soul Podcast. For more information, you can follow me on my on social media. And you could also follow the Forest Soul Podcast on all, on all platforms as well as YouTube. And if you would like to contribute to the Forest Soul Podcast, you can do so at anchor.fm slash Soul slash support. It really helps the podcast. And another way you can help the podcast is give us a five-star review, such as on Apple. I would really appreciate that. Thank you once again to for listening to today's episode of the Forest Soul Podcast, a podcast for your soul.